You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Your host today, Real Presence Live, coming to you from the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota, where if you haven't visited, you should. You absolutely should, because I want to say hi to you here. I'm coming to you from the Lumen Vitae University Center. It's the absolute heart of campus where uh, if you can hear anything in the background in about 20 minutes or so, it's because like 400, 500 students are parading through here, going from class to class, taking a break, going to Chapel of the Word or going to the Crow's Nest to have a meal or whatever it might be. I mean, they're, just, they're all pouring through here. It's very distracting. It takes incredible ability to be able to host a radio show as all of these students are running through here making uh, silly faces at me and trying to distract me. So really, kudos to me. I mean, that's what you wanted to say right kudos to you father kudos to you you can get ready to call in uh, i'll tell you in a couple minutes the number you can get ready to call in and you can test me you can quiz me you can ask me you can do whatever you want with uh when we get to our straight talk with me topics that i want to talk about if you want to know what i want to talk about i want to talk about confession uh, I want to talk about the Holy Eucharist and the Mass. I want to talk about the divine indwelling of the Holy Trinity in your soul. Uh, I want to talk about Advent, the O Antiphons. Uh, I want to talk about the Bible. I mean, these are the things I like talking about. These are the things I, I talk to people about. But uh, you can ask me whatever you want, whatever it's going to be. So we'll get to that in a minute or so. Uh, yesterday at the University of Mary, uh, we had an Advent pendant service. Uh, from like let's say twelve thirty to seven thirty or something like that seven about seven hours, I was the first guy on, and it I heard like I, it must have been fifty confessions and the line was just getting longer and longer. It was really, it was really wild. Uh, so I would love to talk more about that. Oh, what do we got here? We've got straight talk with yours truly yours truly means me and that's kind of odd to say actually when i say yours truly i kind of feel weird but you can call in at 877-795-0122 for the next half hour for the next half hour from 9:30 to 10 uh i am fielding your questions uh real presence radio facebook page you can ask a question there, or you can call in at 877-795-0122. You can ask a question about anything with regard to the faith, the church, religion, the United States of America, how to be a Christian in America, um, what's it like being a priest, um, you know, whatever you want to ask, uh, sublime or normal. You don't have to feel silly. You don't have to feel like it's a dumb question. Um you can ask whatever you want. I mean, sometimes people are like, I want to ask Father a question, but he's always so busy. Well, guess what? I'm not doing anything for the next 27 minutes except talking to you about whatever you want to talk about. I mean, like, that's great, right? All right, 877-795-0122. This is every time, uh, I don't know how often we do this. Maybe it's only when we have a priest or every day. I'm not exactly, oh, I guess it's every day. <laughs> Every day we do this, uh, and it's 30 minutes, 
uh, where you can you can do whatever you want. You can uh, you can ask questions. You can give comments. We can opine on the salvation of the world and various things like that. So eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You can start calling in now. Uh, as I was mentioning before we started the the segment, uh, we had a penance service here at the University of Mary. Uh, yesterday for about seven hours and I heard confessions uh, for the first two and a half hours and uh, the line just got longer and longer as the day went on Uh, I mean I couldn't whip people through the confessional fast enough to keep up with the demand Uh, so then we had a second priest come for a while and the line still didn't get any shorter and we're still whipping through not whipping through I mean that maybe sounds a little too irreverent but I wasn't sitting with each penitent for 15 or 20 minutes or something trying to take up the time Uh, I was uh you know, being I was brief and concise, assigning penances and sending them off because there were people standing in line for like an hour. Um, so that was grand. And then by the time I left the confessional, I, I actually felt like I should have stayed uh, because there were so many people in line. But there was another priest coming to take my spot anyway. Blah, blah. So uh, that was really wonderful. I'm guessing we heard hundreds of confessions. Um, Probably a lot of students coming in saying, well, Father, I've got to tell you, I've been cheating on all my tests. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Our students here at the University of Mary would never do that. They would never do that. Or at least if they did, they would never tell me. No, I'm just kidding about that, too. Um, but it was really beautiful. The penance service was uh, really a, a remarkable gift uh, for me as a confessor. Um, and uh, it was really beautiful. <laughs> Someone just wrote in, I hope whipping doesn't refer to the penances that you were giving up. There was no corporal penances that I assigned yesterday. Uh, as we know, flagellation and the discipline and various other realities were part of the church's history. Very few priests, I would imagine, are giving out corporal penances these days. Uh, so rest assured, most of my penances, actually, if you want to know what kind of penances I give to people... Um, People come in, I try to focus on uh, something that will be practically, uh, even if spiritually, beneficial to the to the penitent. So, for example, if they um, are struggling with feeling like uh, God loves them or something, I will typically give them a penance of a scripture passage that they can pray with so that God can reveal his love to them there or going before Jesus in the blessed sacrament or before crucifix and just ponder the great gift that he has done this great work for that person so I try to make it kind of like tailored to the person Uh, when I grow up when I grew up and maybe when you grew up uh, depending on what age of the church you grew up in it was very uh, very often the case it was like okay three three Hail Marys and an Our Father five Hail Marys and two Our Fathers three Hail three Our Fathers seven Hail Marys and that was kind of the thing which is totally totally fine because it's good to pray Um, and sometimes I do that uh, assign someone a decade of the rosary or seven rosaries if I think they're really really bad I'm just kidding I don't do that either Um, what other penances might I have given out yesterday I gave out uh, penance of reading scripture mostly yesterday was mostly Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23 and that second half of, of Paul's letter to Galatians in chap, uh, chapter 5 uh, which speaks about the living in the f- spirit rather than living in the flesh and in particular the fruit of the spirit uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness and the list goes on um, 
uh, I gave that out as a penance to a lot of people uh, just because it was handy and it was on my heart to do so. Also Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 14 to the end of that chapter where uh, Paul writes about to the Ephesians a prayer uh, that they might experience the great love of God. Um, so those were the penances I gave out pretty much mostly yesterday. There were probably some other ones. Uh, so here we are. Here we are, Straight Talk with yours truly, Father Craig Vosick. The phone number, 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122. You can call in, you can talk to me about whatever you like. So, that was my confessions yesterday. Uh, so, I threw out a question on Twitter yesterday, nobody responded. Probably because I don't have any friends on Twitter, but... Um, Sometimes when I put things on Twitter, people do respond. Uh, but yesterday, nobody responded at all. And I think it's because nobody knew what to tell me. The question that I posed on Twitter was, uh, I know that God dwells in my soul uh, through baptism. Uh, the divine, the Holy Trinity dwells in me. Uh, the divine indwelling, we call it that. Which is remarkable and magnificent and uh, exquisite in every way. Okay, so we have that. We also have the presence of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, the Holy Eucharist, okay? which is also exquisite, magnificent, and wonderful. We also have the way in which God uh, gives his presence to us in our soul by, by a union of the divine with the human, uh, and that we call uh, sanctifying grace. The way in which God establishes his presence uh, truly in a, in a union with our soul. Because we can't actually be united uh, to God like in a hypostatic way. You know how Jesus has a human nature and a divine nature and that's the hypostatic union. We don't have that with God. Um, at least I don't think we have that with God. Hopefully, I, hopefully I'm not wrong on that. We don't have a hypostatic union uh, as Jesus is united to God. So God has to establish, um, God has to establish a, a union. So we have sanctifying grace. So I put this out on Twitter. I was like, I want to know the quantity, the quality, and the uh, adhering value of these various things. Nobody, would you believe it? I mean, I thought it was a simple question. Nobody hit me back with, a, with an easy answer to that question. I, I don't know why not. I don't know why not. So, 877-795-0122. If you understand the difference between the divine indwelling, the substantial presence of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, and the created union of sanctifying grace in the soul, I want to talk to you. Okay? I want to talk to you. So, you give me a call at 877-795-0122. We have a question. Jackie, are you there? Hey, Father, it's Jackie. Um, so here's my question. Right. Um, we've got John the Baptist and Jesus in the Gospel this weekend. And um, it made me think about Mary and Elizabeth, right? So mm. Elizabeth had a grace from the Holy Spirit to just um, prophesy and proclaim, like, wow, that's the mother of my Lord. And there was clearly some stuff going on there where Zechariah and Elizabeth had some knowledge of the Savior. And so I'm just curious, like, did Jesus and John the Baptist, do we know anything about them? Whether they um, would have grown up being familiar and knowing each other in the sense of Jesus is the Messiah, or did John really not know until later on? All right. 
Right, right, right. This is a fantastic question, Jackie. Thank you very much. You've already had you already have so many biblical insights that you've shared with us about the encounters that we see in the gospel. Um, I'm going to just draw you to Christian tradition for a moment. Uh, and what I mean by tradition here is just a small T, if you know what that means, which is just uh, just kind of co- common um, surmising about various things. It's not binding or anything like that. But in a lot of Christian art, you can see uh, paintings of, uh, let's say, Mary and Elizabeth uh, spending time, and then and then John and Jesus are like, let's say, two or three or four or whatever, and they're playing with each other. Um, now, that's not from the Gospels. We don't see that happening in the Gospels. Uh, but this is kind of the Christian imagination through the ages that there was some sort of bond uh, that we know about. We, we know that Elizabeth and Mary were kinswomen, whatever that means, whether it's exactly uh, blood relatives or just from a sort of a clan company or whatever, or their families knew each other. However that exactly was, I'm not an expert on what the word kinswoman really means. Um, it could be cousin. Uh, it may not be, uh, but they definitely knew each other, and it, w- it definitely wasn't the first time uh, that uh, they met when Mary uh, enters into the home of Elizabeth and Zechariah. Um, so there was a familiarity. Uh, we don't see anything uh, after that uh, through the Gospels. We see very little in Jesus um, in his youth anyway. We see him going up to the temple at the age of 12. And then we, we don't see anything until he shows up on the scene at the age of 30 and John the Baptist is preaching in the desert. Would they have seen each other? Would they have known each other? We just don't know. Uh, we just don't know. Um, but what we do know about John is that uh, he asks questions about Jesus. Um, are you the one who was to come, or are we to wait for another? Now, that's not John asking, who are you, Jesus? Have I spent time with you uh, when we were young and growing up or not? He's asking a deeper question, and he's, ask, he's having his disciples ask the question because what John is really doing is trying to push his disciples to Jesus. I want you, and so basically John is saying, John may already know who Jesus is as far as is he the Messiah and he believes this, he, he's following this. Uh, he already leapt in his mother womb about this. Um, but what he's trying to do is point his disciples, go ask him, go ask him, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Uh, it's to point, it's to lead uh, his disciples uh, away from himself and to, to Jesus. So, in answer to your question, we don't know that they grew up together. They may have spent time together. Um, definitely, they were familiar with each other. They were very close in age, obviously. Um, and um, as Jesus arrives uh, to be baptized by John, he, he already knows what to say to Jesus. He says, I should be baptized by you. You should not be baptized by me. And so there's something that he already knew. Uh, so we can speculate that they uh, knew of each other, uh, that they corresponded in some fashion. Uh, but we don't know it for sure. So, Jackie, great question. Uh, did that kind of answer without an answer, your question? That was helpful. Thank you. <laughs> great. All right, Jackie. Thanks so much for the question. John and Jesus, they are so close to each other, uh, whether they spent a lot of time uh, through those 30 years uh, together or not, we just don't know. Uh, but John has faith. He already understands, even from in the womb, he understands who Jesus was in the womb of Mary. And so he knew him, even if they didn't spend a lot of time together. 877 795 877 795 
0122. You're supposed to be calling in right now and telling me the difference between the divine indwelling, sanctifying grace, and the substantial presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. I need theological distinctions, people. I'm just kidding. Not that you would... I don't even know what's going on with this. I need a, I need a doctorate. I need, a, I need someone with a doctorate, someone who's so wise. I need St. Thomas Aquinas. Actually, I already read St. Thomas Aquinas on this question, and I still haven't come to a conclusion. I've been pouring over the fathers and the doctors, and I'm still confused. Uh, maybe I'm just asking the wrong question. 877-795-0122. I know it's December 16th, uh, but I want to talk to you about December 17th for a little bit, which is the beginning of the O Antiphons. Uh, I want everybody, you just got to get ready for this. I, I love these things. You know the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Well, though all of those verses of, the, of that hymn, uh, are derived from the liturgy, in particular the Gospel acclamation, but in particular the Vespers antiphon of the Canticle of Mary uh, from the from the evening prayer of the Church for December seventeenth through twenty fourth, seven days, where we cry out with a vocative O, oh, the O, oh, and then uh, whatever we want to say about about the Messiah from the Old Testament prophecies, getting ready for the one who is to come. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Root of Jesse. O come, O come, Key of David. And the list goes on, right? Uh, these are derived from the prophecies of the Old Testament. And I'm sure you're going to hear about them on Real Presence Live over the next number of days. Uh, but, uh, but I just wanted to bring them up. If you can... Uh, get into the Liturgy of the Hours uh, or get to Mass and hear the Gospel uh, Antiphon, uh, the Gospel verse, uh, or the Evening Prayer uh, Antiphon. It's really beautiful. We're drawn into this really proximate... Um, proximate coming of the Lord, proximate preparation for the coming of the Lord through the reflection of all of the prophets and the and the, the prophecies and the oracles from the Old Testament getting ready for Jesus. It's really it's really wonderful. At some at some point in the history, I, so here's where I do get answers when I look up liturgy questions. Uh, there were actually more than seven. There were like eight or nine derived from various other things, antiphons, uh, and it just went on and on and expanded into, into various ways. It's really lovely. Uh, as we as we ponder the the great liturgical tradition that comes down to us, uh, really from our Jewish ancestors, and then into uh, the Christian dispensation, eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You can call in with any question. Look at this. We have a Facebook question that wants me to talk about the O antiphons. Man, that's fantastic. See, yeah, I'll tell you what I want to talk about, and then you ask me about it, and then we can all be together, and that's really fantastic. That works out really well. So anyway, that's the O antiphons. I've already answered it, really, uh, but they're, they're magnificent. So the, the hymn, now this is where I get a little, I don't, people are going to fight with me on this one, so I get a little crazy. Uh, the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which we start uh, singing as soon as Advent begins, really, in my mind, finds its proper articulation starting tomorrow uh, because it really starts bringing out these, these antiphons of the proximity uh, of the Lord's coming. People can't wait until Advent begins to start singing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel from the first day of Advent, which is fine, obviously. But uh, it really is, in its liturgical expression, uh, finds its place starting on the 17th through the 24th. So a great prayer uh, for you, for all of us during these days, is the great hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, and each verse comes from one day um, of the church's liturgy. 
the 17th through the 24th. And when you put them together, it just so happens, uh, whether by a design or by some sort of providential accident, uh, that when you put the, div- the Latin first letters of each of those titles of the Messiah, it spells out the phrase ero cross. Uh, E-R-O is the future first person, so I will be. And cross is tomorrow. I will be tomorrow. So when you take the O antiphons spelt backwards, this might sound kind of convoluted, I know, but when you take the O antiphons first letter and you go back from Christmas seven days, it's as if Jesus is saying, I'm coming tomorrow, uh, through the the Latin uh, first letters of the O antiphons. E-R-O-C-R-A-S. So it's really really kind of um, uh, haunting. Uh, hauntingly beautiful, uh, the way that that comes together. So again, the O antiphons, the b- beautiful prophecies and oracles from the Old Testament that we uh, put on our lips as we prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ at Christmas. There have been magnificent um, renditions uh, recorded by uh, composers and various others. So go on YouTube, go on the internet, look up O antiphons. You can listen to wonderful things. Listen to the Veni Veni uh, Emmanuel, uh, the great uh, hymn, uh, O Come O Come Emmanuel. You can look up and, and the sacred music for this time of year. Uh, there's so many beautiful things to to hear. 877-795-0122. Anything you want to talk about today, I'm happy to talk about. Um, Again, the Bible, confession, if you want to talk about confession and why you should go, I'm happy to uh, convince you as to the merits of making a confession and that nobody's going to hurt you. God is not going to hurt you. The priest is not going to hurt you. Uh, You don't even need to hurt yourself uh, to go to confession. It's free. Uh, This is amazing. The church doesn't even charge you a penny to go to confession. I think we should start. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But I've heard people, and whether this is true or not, I've heard people say, um, if... If the world found out about this secret gift that the Catholic Church provides of confession, that our, uh, a lot of our uh, doctors would be out of business. A lot of people that try to deal with the maladies of the soul uh, without really addressing the soul. You know, like when someone just says, oh, try this, try this, uh, drink this Kool-Aid or have this chocolate bar or whatever and you'll feel better. And that really doesn't address the deep needs of the soul to be reconciled with God. Uh, if the world found out about the secret confessional, we'd uh, uh, we'd drive a lot of people out of practice. I've heard that now. I mean, that's not that's not to belittle the the great work that um, our great counselors and mental health professionals give, and it is not to equate as if all the spiritual maladies of the human person uh, are equal to um, chemical things in the brain and whatnot. With all of that, I'm not trying to equivocate those things, but. People flock to counselors, people flock to therapists, people flock to these, these people to help them, uh, but are they flocking to the confessional, to the divine physician, Jesus, uh, whose grace can accomplish all in this beautiful sacramental encounter? Confession, I've been saying this a lot lately in confession, uh, because I think it's, it's important. Uh, to really connect confession with what it is. Because you might think when you go to confession that you're going into a room, uh, you're kneeling down behind a screen or sitting in a chair in front of another person, a human being, a priest, who has a stole wrapped around his neck, and you might just be thinking, why am I just telling this person this stuff? And then supposedly, like, we're saying a prayer and somehow God is, like, I don't know, taking my sins away or something like that. That's what it seems like. But what is really happening there? 
here's what's really happening. Jesus Christ is mounting the cross with his flesh and blood crucified to obliterate the bond against us. Uh, he is uniting us and reconciling us to the Father. And when we go to confession, what we receive there are the fruits of that sacrifice, that blood which was shed, that body which was nailed to the cross. The reason why that happened was so that we might be reconciled to God. And what happens in confession is that precious blood which has washed over us in holy baptism, removing all of our sin and making us a child of the Father, a son or daughter of the, of the Most High. If we have fallen from that relationship, the sacrament of reconciliation restores that through a washing in the precious blood of Jesus. So when you go to confession, you're not just kneeling or sitting around with a priest. What you are doing is you are coming to the foot of the cross and the blood of Jesus, which was poured out for the redemption of the world, is washing your soul clean. That's what's happening in the sacrament of reconciliation. Jesus' blood is washing sins away. He is conquering sin, Satan, death, and hell. He is winning the victory for you personally, one person. Uh, he is focused on to love and to care for you. That's what happens in confession. Now, why would you not want that? I can't imagine why you would not want that. I try to go to confession every two weeks. Uh, sometimes it ends up being three weeks. Sometimes it's every week. I'm able to go to confession uh, because it is so good to live in a reconciled relationship with God and with my brothers and sisters throughout the world. So call me, 877-795-0122. So far we've talked about John the Baptist and Jesus. Uh, we've talked about the Oantophons a little bit. 877-795-0122. That is 877-795-0122. Two, two. You can call me and we can talk. What else do I want to tell you about? I've already told you about the Oantiphons. Uh, let me tell you, last night I had the great opportunity of joining our Benedictine sisters here at the University of Mary at Annunciation Monastery. I joined them for their sung uh, evening prayer, for Sunday evening prayer. Uh, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. We sung the Psalms back and forth, side left, side right, uh, back and forth for, uh, it must have been 25, 30 minutes, singing the Psalms to the Lord back and forth, reflecting. There was times of silence. Uh, beautiful reflections, intercessions, uh, all together just singing uh, evening prayer of the church. It was really, it was really heartening. It was really wonderful. And then I had the great gift of joining them for a, a beautiful dinner. And then I taught them. The reason why I was there last night was uh, they wanted to be refreshed on how to play backgammon. So not only do I know some things about the Catholic Church, I know a little bit about backgammon and cribbage. And I lost both games. This is to, after I taught them, they beat me. Uh, so, I mean, that's the sign of a good teacher is when your student beats you, right? I think, I think that's how it goes. Uh, either that or I'm just really bad at the games. But 877-795-0122. You can ask me anything. You can even ask me about backgammon and uh, cribbage. I don't recommend it because I just got beat by the sisters last night, but you, but you can do it if you want. We've got a couple things coming in here. 
uh, on a straight tack. I'm going to wait until uh, they're fully presented to me so that I can answer them with great facility and, and confidence. Um, but some people want to weigh in on what I'm talking about, uh, the divine indwelling and the blessed sacrament. Here's a comment. A listener comment. Jesus present in the blessed sacrament and what his indwelling would be. He is just so profound that you can't take your eyes off him. With the indwelling, your soul is filled with fear and trembling, and it's tough to speak. You are so awed at his presence, and you feel so unworthy. So this is how uh, this listener uh, experiences uh, these various things. Um, saying that he's so profound in the Blessed Sacrament that you can't take your eyes off him. That's great. I, I hope everybody grows in their faith that they would love to look upon Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and adoration and in Holy Communion the way that you are, listener, comment. So thank you for that. And with regard to the indwelling of the soul, um, you're mentioning that your, your soul is filled with fear and trembling. Um, okay, so that comes from the scriptures uh, that we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's from Philippians, maybe chapter 1 or 2. I can't remember right now. I'm, I'm going to guess Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, but not exactly sure on that one right now. Um, yeah, and we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. When we look on the grandeur of God, uh, it can be quite awe-inspiring and fearful. But for those who have advanced in uh, love of God, they also recognize His sweetness and His delight and His goodness. Um, so even as there may be fear and trembling, um, there's also a, an excellence of awe and majesty, uh, this great gift of the fear of the Lord and piety, which comes forward. Absolutely, that's the case. So thank you for weighing in uh, on the difference between um, Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament and the divine presence in your soul. And there is a difference, uh, we could say, materially speaking, in that uh, in the Blessed Sacrament we can look at um, Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, whereas in the Divine Indwelling, we really have to turn our eyes inward to, an, to a uh, non-visible uh, presence of God, which is still very, very profound, So, which is wonderful. All right, Mary on the phone. What's happening, Mary? Yes. Well, I attend a Bible study uh, for adults, and the question of three days of darkness came up. And it is something, as an adult Catholic, I had never heard of before. So I am curious to know what your opinion of it is. Okay, very good. Three days of darkness. Um, were they, were we, they... Was it from the Bible? Was it from the Old Testament or uh, something? Or was it, uh, was it a, a prophecy it, about I, mod I modern times? I, it's coming out of Revelation. And I'm in my car right now, and I can't tell you exactly sure. what chapter... Yeah, but okay. um, that's where you know this person is taking right. part of that, where we would be, um, we would be informed ahead of time through Jesus. But you know, you should have blessed candles and holy water and plan to stay in your house. And it's sure. just not something I heard of. Right. Uh, so anytime we get into the Book of Revelation, uh, we have to be fairly discerning because uh, if we take everything for word for word literally uh, we can get into all sorts of speculation as to what it could mean and so in the book of Revelation it speaks about um, men on horses going around doing various things there's incense there's fire there's uh, things being thrown around um, we don't necessarily understand all of those things as literal uh, but a lot of people have looked at these days of darkness as uh, you need to pre be prepared for a literal days of darkness before the coming of the Lord um, so uh, we're actually out of time Mary but there, I don't think the church has any definitive t 
teaching on what each of those passages in the book of Revelation may mean for us. So, sorry I can't say more, but thanks okay. for the question. Thanks, everybody, for being with me on Straight Talk on here on Real Presence Radio. We have to move on. And so, please stay with us. Uh, we do this every day at 9.30. Up next, we're going to talk to Father Jason Leffer and uh, talking about basketball, talking about a priest for a seminary and basketball game. We're going to go on a 10-minute tour. Uh, we're broadcasting live here from the University of Mary. This is Father Craig Vosick, your host. Stay with us here.